Welcome to Bible Breath, where we dig into the Word of God to catch our breath for whatever's coming next. Today we continue to answer a very important question. Who is God according to God? <laughs> and today that question helps us answer some other very important questions, like where did everything come from? And why in the world does it matter for you? To begin with, I'd like you to think of something you're probably very familiar with, the earth. The earth is big, very big. The earth has a diameter of 7,917 miles. If you were walking at four miles per hour, which is pretty good, pretty good normal pace, it would take you 1,979 hours to walk around planet Earth. That would be 82 days going nonstop without taking a nap, without taking a break. So almost three months to walk around the entire Earth. The Earth is so big that you could take the moon and fit 50 moons inside the Earth. The moon looks rather large up in the sky, but you could take 50 of those and put it inside the Earth. But the Earth is not as big as the sun. You know how many Earths you could put inside the sun? It's not 50. It's 1.3 million. The sun is massive, but not as massive as the Milky Way. <laughs> the Milky Way, there are more stars in the Milky Way than there are grains of sand on the Earth. If you were to count every star, just go one second per star, it would take you about 3,000 years to count them all nonstop. Who did that? Who made the moon and the earth and the sun and the Milky Way? Who put that all together according to the Bible? God did. Psalm 124 verse says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God takes responsibility for making everything. Let's narrow the focus a little bit. Think about your heart, which beats on average about 72 beats every minute. 100,000 beats every day, 35 million beats per year. It pumps 11,000 quarts of blood every single day. And how often do you need to tell your heart to do those things? You don't. You don't even need to think of it. It just does it automatically, on its own, day after day after day. Think about the human eye. The human eye has 130 million light receptors in it, gathering information. There are 3,000 literal lines plugged into the back of the eye that go directly to your brain. 3,000 of them. And again, you don't have to tell your eye to do those things every day. Your eye just does that. And you didn't have to plug those lines in, but somebody did. Think about the nervous system in your body, you know, the, the glands and the stomach and the liver and the intestines and all those things. There are 100,000 miles of nerve fibers just in your nervous system. When something happens in your, nervous, uh, in your nervous system, it sends a message to your brain at 300 miles per hour. If you have a stomach ache suddenly, 300 miles per hour, your brain knows automatically. Think about your digestive system, your intestines. If you were to take the intestines inside your body, outside of your body, and if you were to unravel them and flatten them out, do you know how much ground they would cover? Roughly the same amount of ground that is covered by three football fields. And all of that is so neatly tucked into your belly. And you didn't have to do that. And you didn't need to figure out how that could happen. 
but somebody did. Think about your brain. Your brain will process about 15 trillion bits of information by the time you are 70 years old. If you were to take all the brain fibers, um, pieces that make up your brain, and take them apart piece by piece and stack them one on top of the other, what you would stack up would go to the moon and back. And that's tucked inside your skull. <laughs> that's your brain. And you didn't have to figure out how to do that. You didn't have to figure out how to maximize the space within the human body so that all these things would fit in and work together well without you having to think about it, but somebody did. And according to the Bible, that was God. In Psalm 139, it says, For you created my inmost being, God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know it full well. God takes responsibility for creating everything, and the Bible assigns responsibility to him for that. But let's talk about when he did that. To get that answer, you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very first verse. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it describes a process that God went through over six regular 24-hour days, that in six days, God made the heavens and the earth. And other books of the Bible, like the book of Exodus, um, they also attest to that. There was six regular 24-hour days with something different on each day. On the first day, God simply made light. On the second day, he made the sky and the earth. On the third day, he made the sun, the moon, the stars. Day four was land and plants. Day five was fish and birds. Day six was land animals and humans. And on the seventh day of the week, God rested, setting, us the, uh, setting the standard for our own day of rest, which we'll talk about as we get closer to the commandments. So that's what he created on all those different days. But how did he do it is really important. Psalm 33 is one of the places in the Bible that answers that question. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth, for he spoke and it came to be. And you see that in the book of Genesis. When God wanted there to be light, he said, Let there be light. And there was, just like that. When he wanted there to be plants and animals, let there be plants, let there be animals. He just spoke and it came into being, which is something that you and I do not have the ability to do. I really wish I had the ability to say, let there be a pizza right in front of me. But I can't do that. Let me have a thousand dollars suddenly in my pocket. Nope, <laughs> it's not there. For us to build something or create something, we need to start with something physical. We need to start with other materials. We need to go to the home improvement store and we need to get those building materials and put things together so that we can create something. But for God, it was different. God spoke and there it was. He was able to create things in ways that you and I cannot because of course he's God and we are not. But that's not how he created everything. He did something special with human beings. And the Bible tells us about that too. Genesis chapter 1 summarizes the creation of Adam and Eve when it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God made man and woman in his own image, it says, which doesn't mean that they looked like God. It means that their will, their desire, their heart, it was a mirror image of God's. They loved what God loved and they hated what God hated their will and their desires, mirror images of God. Special creations that God put together to in ways that he wanted to highlight, this is, this is beyond everything else I have created. There's something special about the human race. And you might wonder, well, does God do the same thing for me? 
He didn't make you from the dirt of the ground or from somebody's rib, but in Jeremiah chapter 1, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And so God knew you before you knew you, and God is the one who formed you in your mother's womb. God did that because he wanted you to have life. And he formed you with a body and a soul. You know, just remember, remember when, when God looked at Adam and created him just while he was just the dirt. He breathed into him, and that's what brought him to life. He was giving him a soul. The book of Ecclesiastes refers to our body and our soul, um, thinking about the moment it is that we die, where it says, The dust returns to the ground it came from, but that the spirit, the soul, returns to God who gave it. So we're each made of a body, the physical part, and then a soul, the part that gives us life. And one important part about all of these things related to what God created and how everything came to be, you have to remember something really important about them. We weren't there when it happened, which means these are articles of faith. You know, the book of Hebrews talks about it, where it says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what it was visible, but it takes, takes faith to believe this. The Bible's teaching on creation is an article of faith. We weren't there when it happened. It's never been disproved, but neither can it be scientifically proven. And that's an important point to keep in mind as we talk about one of the other more popular theories about how everything came to be, and that, of course, is the theory of evolution. So the theory of evolution is defined as the process by which different kinds of living organisms are thought to have developed and diversified from earlier forms during the history of the earth. In other words, something that was very simple eventually grew into something that was far more complex. This is uh, referred to as natural selection often. Um, another way of saying that is that the stronger traits that aid survival are more likely to endure in a living being and the weaker traits diminish. So if a being was living and if it found something useful that was going to help them continue to live, it would hold on to that trait. But if something wasn't so useful, it would get rid of it. And, um, and this was happening, evolution says, in every living organism. As everything was kind of fighting for control and fighting to survive under what's called the survival of the fittest, only the strong will adapt and move forward and figure out how to survive. And so the theory of evolution basically says that this is, what, this is what happened. Everything started out in a very basic form and it figured out how to get better and better and better so that it becomes an even better form. And how did that all start? It started, according to those who support evolution, with a big bang. That at some point there was a big bang that created matter and pieced things together in a way that it all started working. An important point about that, of course, is that nobody was there to witness it. And so this also is an article of faith. This theory was popularized in the mid-1800s by two men, Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace. It said that they both came to the theory independently, and then when they came together and shared their theories, they realized, wow, we have, uh, we have, something, we have something in common here. But while this is a very popular theory today, it's only been popular for a little over 200 years, uh, maybe, maybe not even. That's when it became a very popular thing. Now, it's important to keep in mind that the Bible supports divine creation, that everything was created by God. Evolution does not support that. Both require faith to believe because nobody was there to see it, but each one gives you a very different perspective on yourself. Let's just compare them side by side as the different facts of what they teach. So as far as the time of creation, how much time did it take? The Bible teaches that it was six 24-hour days, six normal days. 
Evolution teaches something different, that it was millions or billions or trillions of years, so it's a big difference. The method of creation, the Bible teaches that God spoke, and there it was. So it was God's powerful word. Theory of evolution, it was, it was chance, something, something from nothing. The, um, the existence of mankind, according to the Bible, men and women are very special creations of God. But according to the theory of evolution, mankind, we're, we're the most advanced animal. We've uh, we figured it out more quickly than, than other living beings. Man's purpose, according to the Bible, is to be with God, to serve God, to honor God, to enjoy fellowship with God. Mankind's purpose, according to evolution, is to survive, serve yourself. And so your responsibility, according to the Bible, is to God. But every person's responsibility, according to the theory of evolution, well, they're not responsible to anyone except themselves. Those who believe the Bible versus those who believe evolution have two very different perspectives, really on your purpose and on your life. Let's look at some Bible buzzwords related to these two teachings. So creation, the, uh, the teaching that God made the whole world in six days out of nothing but his powerful word. Evolution is the scientific theory that all things have come through a long process of change and development over millions or billions or trillions of years. God's image is something that we talked about just a few minutes ago, that Adam and Eve were created to be holy and perfect, just like God. Their will and their desires mirror images of God's. And the soul is the spiritual side of our existence, the part of us that gives our body life and then goes to be with God upon death. It does eventually reunite with our body a much better version of our body. We'll talk about that quite a few lessons down the road as we talk about what happens as this world comes to an end. But regarding evolution and creation, we have to acknowledge that they can't both be right. Because either there is a God or everything happens just by chance. And I just want to illustrate the chances of evolution happening. If, you know, if I were to take off my watch, and if I were to take my watch and put it on a table and take a sledgehammer and pound it into as many pieces as I can pound it into, and if I were to take all those broken pieces of my, of my watch and then throw it up into the air, the chances of evolution being correct, that there was a Big Bang and every part of the Big Bang came together and everything in the universe started working so well that it would continue working for millions or billions or trillions of years. The odds of that happening are the same as all of my watch pieces being thrown up in the air and on the first try when they come back together, assembling into a working watch. Either God is real or everything happened just by chance. Evolution and creation can both be right. Either we are responsible to God or everybody's in it for themselves. Either we live in a dying world and we need to be saved from it. Or the world is getting better and better on its own. Just watch the news for five minutes. I'll let you come to the conclusion as to which one is happening. Either God created the world or you can't trust the Bible. Some might say, well, you can be a Christian and still believe the theory of evolution, the millions and billions and trillions. But if the Bible is lying to you in one area, who's to say they're not lying to you in another area? Evolution and creation can't both be right. Either your life means something to God or it doesn't. And your life then might mean nothing to anyone. But it does mean something to God. 
Let me share just one more passage from Isaiah chapter 64 where it says, You, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. I don't know how many of you have experienced making pottery on a potter's wheel, but it's, it's kind of a messy process where you shape and form and, and each piece of pottery comes off as its own unique thing. Truly one of a kind. And that's what that Bible passage is saying about you from God's perspective. That God believes you are truly one of a kind. That you bring a unique beauty into this world that no one else ever has and that no one else ever will. God wanted you here. God wants you here. God believes the world is more beautiful with you here.